This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, let's get the show on the road. Happy Mother's Day to all you lovely mothers out there. This is episode number 44, and in this episode I sit down with Jack Lamb of Aslan Brewing Company in Bellingham, Washington. Jack talks to me about getting half a million dollar loan at 23 years old, how normalizing mental and physical health keeps his business on the up and up, and how a local newspaper's crime investigator turned beer reviewer, yes, you heard that correctly, and how that guy's opinion means absolutely nothing in the end. You know, it's tough to hear negative opinions. I gotta tell you, I know firsthand. You know how often I hear your podcast is so boring it puts me to sleep at night? And that's just from my best friend. (laughs) Well, we'll show him. I need everybody to stand up and start clapping their hands. Because it's time for the podcast to begin. I hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, I'm Mike Curtin. This is the Brew World Order Podcast. And today I'm with Jack Lamb, owner of Aslam Brewing Company in Bellingham, Washington. Jack Lamb was born and raised in Seattle, Washington. After studying psychology and economics in Claremont, California, he came back to Seattle to a job at Microsoft, but initially quit before he even started his first day. He was in Seattle for about six days before he wound up moving to Bellingham to follow Megan, who would one day become his wife. Prior to that, Jack lived his life very differently, and it wasn't until his girlfriend, who had attended Huxley College of the Environment, put him on to a different way of thinking. They were done with the old ways of high fructose corn syrup and fast foods and started buying locally from farmer's markets. Along the way, they had met some friends who had the same mindset, and that's where Jack met Frank Trossett. One night, Jack and Frank were hanging out having some craft beers at a local hangout called the Green Frog. That's where they got to talking about their future. Jack wanted to start his own business, and Frank wanted to be a head brewer at a brewery. There, they decided that opening a brewery was the way to go. Frank continued to work on his craft while Jack drew up the business plans. And in the summer of 2013, they received the keys to the building that would home their brewery. And on May 19, 2014, they opened their doors as Aslam Brewing Company. And Jack Lamb is here with me today. Jack, how's it going? Hey, it's going good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, absolutely. So how would you say that that whole turning point when uh, you moved to Bellingham with uh, your girlfriend at the time to, you know, start living a healthier life and all that. Um, How do you think that affected your business today and also affected it when you first got into the industry? Yeah, I mean, it it really defined it all, uh, you could say. I mean, you know, it's so funny because when Frank and I started this project, we thought we were going to be moving the brewery to Seattle. Like, that that was like, you know, I thought I was going to spend my whole life in Seattle. I, I thought that was home. That's where my family is. And, and I thought that's where I'd be forever. So, you know, Bellingham at the moment was a great place to be. And I was learning a lot. And it was so funny because as we were building, you know, the, the business plan and we were meeting more people, we we're getting involved in the beer industry in Bellingham specifically. Uh, we just started falling in love. I started becoming closer with the people in this town. I started loving this town. I started seeing Seattle change. And, um, you know, this town cares about local independent craft, you know, and and they care what they're putting in their bodies. So, you know, when we're designing this, um, I'd say Bellingham, you know, truly defined what Asm Brewing Company is. Uh, And um, I'm really, really grateful for that because we all know Seattle's a progressive place, but uh, (laughs) Bellingham makes it look pretty corporate. So uh, having a business that, that can grow from good roots 
and still, you know, maintain a, a good strength and, and uh, a, a business model, I think, is um, something I, I can attribute to, to this town. Right, right. So the name Aslan is Turkish for lion, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and like Romanian and like uh, it, it's actually found in so many of those cultures, uh, some different version of it for sure. What brought you guys to that name? Yeah, so, you know, as a placeholder, uh, that name actually was, you know, we just had to create an LLC and, you know, I asked Frank to come up with the name and thought it would be wise to have your, your head brewer, you know, be connected to the brand. And, and he said he kept having this dream about a lion, you know, grabbing his ankle as he's, <laughs> he's trying to, you know, get somewhere or jump somewhere. I don't know what it was. And so he started looking up all, you know, different words for the different inspirations for lion and, you know, kind of mythical creatures and all that. And, you know, Aslan starts with an A. It's quick. Of course, there's the most famous Aslan in uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe and the, the whole Narnia series. But we then made it our goal to, you know, when people hear the word Aslan, they think of organic beer instead of a, a book about a lion named Lion, you know. Right. So, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where that came from. And that's stuck. You know, once we created this logo, though, uh, I don't know if you've seen it. But, yes, I have. You yes. know, to, to me, we're really proud of that. And and once we created that, it was like, well, I don't think there's any turning back. I think no. we created created a monster here. Yeah, it's a solid logo. Very nice. Yeah. So during that whole process of opening your brewery from the moment you guys came up with, you know, having that beer and said, hey, let's open this brewery and you called them the next day and whatever. From that moment to the moment you guys finally opened your door in, uh, what was it, May 19th of mm. 2014, mm. what do you think was the probably the most challenging part? for you as a whole oh we had never done any of this before right uh (laughs) everything was the most challenging (laughs) you know i mean it was it was insane you know i'd just gotten out of college you know frank frank was in in uh construction management so you know arguably the easiest thing for us was building the damn thing you know and that's often a a struggle for people the struggle for me i had to learn how to swing a hammer and and use a nail gun and and build stairs and i mean all this stuff you know yeah, we just had to learn how to be professionals, I think. You know, I was 23 years old. You know, we were facing some serious some serious numbers to look at, you know. And, yeah. and when talking with people, we're, we're creating careers here, you know. You know, I always say communication is was always the hardest thing, especially in, when you're creating a full, full-on re- restaurant right, as right. well as, as a brewery. I mean, and then you want to wholesale that beer. I mean, you got three whole businesses basically within one, so communicating with each other was huge and we were really close as friends but you know even that had some of its uh, uh drawbacks as well so yeah i mean i guess just it being our first shot at this it was it was an adventure every day for sure right yeah communication is key always always yeah, yeah. where did you guys go about finding the capital to fund the business i had a couple hundred thousand dollars uh, that i was lucky enough to to have at that moment in my life Right, and um, you need a lot more than that to start a to start a brewery. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. And so yeah, so I got an SBA loan. You know, SBA loans are, are rad, especially when they know that you're going to spend some of your own money because you don't need to put any money down. It's for risky operations because it's half funded by the feds, half funded by your local bank. So I had to just go around town and pitch myself. And 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 you know, one thing that you know I love about Bellingham and Again, what I learned is very valuable is, you know, I didn't go to any big bank. I went to only the 
the small banks that only work within the state or even just the county. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I found a bank called Woodby Island Bank. Woodby Island's one of the San Juan Islands out here, and it was a local bank. And, and this guy, John, just, he believed in us and literally signed my life away. I had to create life insurance and sign it away to yep. them. I had to, you know, be the guarantor on everything, and I spent every penny I had, and, you know, the SBA covered the rest. And I remember on May it was like May 10th or something like that. You know, we weren't really ready to open. I mean, we, we could, but we just ran out of money. <laughs> you know, I wish I had a lot more, you know. I, I, I now have the lesson of telling people, you know, go ahead and take your budget and triple it. and That'll make you feel on your construction timeline and double that. And right. That'll, that'll make you feel a lot better about everything. So we just opened out of necessity. And, you know, from day one, we're just lying out the door. And we definitely got our butts handed to ourselves for for a while i think that taught us how to grind and how to show up every single day and really work to be better because um there was work to be done and we didn't stop till that was that was accomplished right definitely a learning curve there yeah yeah but you know like this whole idea of, of local banks to me was huge i couldn't check the boxes in these big banks you know right um and so it was it was really important to have someone who lived down the street you know branch manager that commercial loan manager both live blocks away from this location being like, well, I can see myself going there, you know, like right, yeah. this in town. And, and so, yeah, they, they took a risk and I'll always thank him for that. I see him still in town every once in a while and we laugh and, you know, he's like, I still can't believe I gave a 23 year old, you know, half a million dollars here. But, yeah. uh, um, yeah, we pulled it off. Hey, sometimes it just happens like that, you know, works out. <laughs> yeah. What's something when you first, when you first opened that you never thought you were going to have to deal with? That's a good question, because I, I knew I was going to have to kind of see everything. You know, I, I think I, I didn't think I'd have to deal with so much heartache. Really? Y- you know, yeah, I knew it'd be tough. You know, I played football for 14 years and, and played in D3 in college, and well, and I yeah. lost a lot. And, you know, I, I lost my brother uh, in high school. I lost my aunt, my uncle um, really early on. Um, didn't have my grandparents. Like, you know, I, I, I've gone through a lot of sh- a lot of stuff, man. Right. And right. Yeah. What's insane is that you know I thought business would be kind of this this black and white thing, but I got so emotionally connected to this thing, and um, so did you know my partners, and we cared a lot, man. When when you disappoint someone, or or you didn't set someone up for success, and they fail, and they feel bad, and or communication, you didn't communicate something, and you know it made a project fall through the cracks, you know. Those things I didn't think I was going to be dealing with. I thought I was dealing that with my personal life. You know? Right, right. I thought business would just be, you know, creation and and cash flow and all that. But I've had you know sleepless nights and, and a lot of tears and a lot of heartache. So, right. You know, running a small business is tough. You know, I have that conversation when people ask you know about advice. I'm like, well, consider first just working for somebody. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Really get a, nice. jo- get really a job nice in a brewery out, first, you know? right? Yeah, I haven't clocked out in six years. My honeymoon, I tried to, and that didn't work, you know. So right. that's that's something I didn't see coming. So, I mean, there's a lot of heartache involved. There you go. But on the opposite spectrum of that, how do you define success? And were there any, was there a defining moment for you that kind of stands out that you were like, things are moving in the right direction? Yeah, so I think there's there's many worlds in that, right? You know, success in, in the traditional American sense. You know, right. we won our first award, our first handful of five-star reviews. I mean, we won the best Saison in the world at the World Beer Cup, gold that's, medal. It's amazing. Know? I mean, that was, 
and it's these insane moments of like we did it you know? right yeah but I, I would say success is a couple things you know as a b corp we're, we're a triple bottom line business here which means we care about three three bottom lines and that's the people and the planet and the profit in that order right right you know the biggest success for me is actually when i see someone move on from aslan and get a better job <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've seen it. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, one of our first sales reps, you know, was one of our first employees and it was just a, just an all star, uh, Jerry. Uh, you know, I remember he gave me a call one spring day and he was kind of teary eyed on the other line and said, Hey man, you know, I think I've been poached, but you know, I'm getting offered about three times as much as you could pay me. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, and he's like, I'm going to run the entire state of this other you know, beverage company and, and do this. And I was like, you did it, dude. Like, right. you're, you're moving up. Like you did it and you did it, you know, through us. So, you know, and he's like, thank you. Thank you. You know, and, and we've seen that grow through a lot. So to me, at the end of the day, it's about the people, right? And, right. Yeah. You know, we, we have a lot of, we have a lot of college kids here that come in as kids and I'll, I'll call them that cause they, they are goofy. goofy <laughs> <people>. <laughs> uh, and they leave as professionals, you right. know, and it's just beautiful to watch. So I see that as success in the middle game. It's just about when you set a goal, you get it done. It doesn't have to be anything glorious. But if you said, hey, you know, we want to create this new line of merch, have it done and out before Mother's Day. Well, when you pull those things off, it's like, oh, we did it. You know, like no one is better than us. <laughs> you know, like we, we did it. Like you couldn't have done it any better. Right, and right. I think that those small victories, you cannot go unnoticed because there's just so much you know, it's hard. Uh, so, uh, you got to celebrate those as well. So, um, it kind of spreads all over, right? Right. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I feel like with any job you come in, you know, with no, no experience. And at some point you, I mean, you got to hope that people, it's like school, you know, it's mm. real life and you, you're going to learn from what happens oh, each, absolutely. each and every day. I hope you're one, you're one of those institutions that can, you know, advance people, right? you know, yeah. and, and I think that, reputation will always create a customer base and will create loyalty in your community. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. What do you think, what's a quality that you possess that makes you a good business owner? You know, it's funny. I, I tell people all the time that like, I'm not a very good businessman. Right. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a real good, uh, captain of a team. Okay. You know, <laughs> going <laughs> you know, back, like, going back to your football days. Oh yeah, I know. I, I do too many sports analogies. Some of my employees just crack up and make, make so much fun of me for it. But uh, I'm a pushover, and you know it's hard for me not to give anyone a raise when they ask for it. So, right. You know, uh, but a business person, I think it's because because um, I listen and um, um, I, I I attempt to uh, see everyone's perspective and, and to think as a, uh, you know, as a benign leader, you know, right. as somebody who's actually doing what is best for the greater good of your people. So, you know, I've, I went, uh, you know, I, I've learned about balance with that, especially through COVID about how, you know, at some point you have to draw a line or so you're going to just have no money to support anybody. Yeah. Right. Right. For sure. But, um, you know, I, I think it, it. I was happy to have this massive growth in our first years to really listen to needs. You know, I'll never put my foot down about, all right, we're, you know, 
I don't take any suggestions about what we need in the kitchen, you know. Right. Someone's like, hey, it'd be a lot cooler if you put the steam table on the left side or something. It's like, let's try it. Right. You know. Open, um, open mind. Think, uh, open mindedness. Open mind. Yeah. And and empowering people is the the best way to run a business because you can't do everything yourself. So I'd say maybe that's that's what has created the culture that has made my business succeed. And you talk about before. Um about the business being, you know, like not taking a break in what, six years, you said? Yeah, that, I mean, um, yeah, I take, I take plenty of breaks. Right. But, uh, I said not, I never have clocked off really in right. six years. I can, I can kind of say that, yeah. So how important is a, a mental break for you and what does that look like? So <clears throat> that's great. And, and, you know, anyone getting onboarded in our company, I have a very serious conversation with them about work-life balance. That actually, if you're working 50 hours a week, that's not impressive to me. That means you're doing something wrong. Right. Uh, you don't come in being like, you know, give me a raise. I just, you know, work 60 hours a week doing this. And I'm like, you are totally missing the objective here. Um, because you need to take care of yourself. One, no human should be working, in my opinion. Unless, you know, you're, you're building something. Everyone's got, everyone's got this extra fire within them. And, you know, 40 hours doesn't exist. It becomes your life. Right, for sure. Uh but yeah, if, if you're an employee somewhere, I mean, you have a life elsewhere. So what I would say to that about breaks and about mental health and physical health is it's a daily exercise. You you have to work on it every single day. Uh, you, you can't, you know, you bring yourself out one day and it, that's just a, a terrible domino effect throughout your whole week. Yeah, where's you down? You know, yeah, where's you down? I, I see a therapist every other week. Um, I encourage my, you know, we have health insurance that helps cover that for our full-time employees. And, um, you know, I, I make a, I make it normal. I normalize uh, mental health. We normalize physical health. It is literally part of our interview process of like, so <laughs> how do you get your exercise? Right. right. <laughs> you know, right. you know, how are you, you know, your brain needs your body to be good too. So, of course, you know, if we see, if, if we catch people down and, you know, those 24 ounce Red Bulls two in a row in the morning, you know, you actually sit them down and you're like, all right, so let's talk about what that's doing oh, to you right now. What's you know? going on at home? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Can we maybe switch to like yerba mate for a sec or, yeah. or you know, what, what do we, what do we got to do here? So yeah, right. to me, it's a, it's a daily exercise. And I think that's very reflective in Bellingham. Bellingham is one of the least obese cities in the nation. That's awesome. And it's, it's because of the access to outdoors and, I mean, I bike to work today, and and it's what we encourage people to do. So, yeah, it's a great thing. I, I think it's probably one of the most important things is uh, is health, you know, and working out. Mm-hmm. But uh, but that's just me. So, what was that moment? I know you you know you opened in two thousand fourteen. Uh, at what point were things rolling rolling along? Because you have three places open now. Uh, at what moment did you guys decide like, hey, I think it's time we expand? and open another tap room or open another. Yeah. You know, I always had a pipe dream of opening a little tap room in Seattle. I think that was just because again, I wanted to selfishly be closer to my parents. And, right. Where your heart was. And yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And you know, I definitely think my heart's in, in a couple of places uh, currently, you know, that the second location was the Aslan Depot. That came out of necessity out of space for our barrel program, quite frankly. Uh, we needed more space to host our, you know, we have hundreds of, of wine and whiskey barrels. There are about a hundred uh, wine and whiskey barrels. And, you know, as we were expanding the brewery up in the main location with all stainless tanks, you kind of, in, in the brewing world, you, you want to separate 
you know, the wild yeast with, with the clean beer, as they call it, the stuff in the, in the fermenters. And um, it's kind of wise to do it. It lowers your, your liability of cross-contamination, et cetera. Right. So it was kind of this thing of, you know, our warehouse wasn't the right space, and it, it, it was getting filled up itself with the cooler and the dry storage and the cans and all that. And so this building is just a block away opened up. And I remember my brewer's dad, who is our builder, and Don Tross said this is the – uh, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be open right now. He's built everything. Uh, helped me build every location I've done. He's 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 the man. Awesome. Um, anyway, he saw this building a block away and was like, "Yo, you should check this out." And it's another historic building. You know, I'm all about restoring buildings. It's just what needs to happen in this world. You know, reduce our waste here. And and it's a historic building. It's huge, and you know, it's available. And it comes with this this big parking lot. You can turn into a beer garden, and you know, it's all this stuff. And I was like, nah, man, it's, you know, it's an office building. And sure enough, when I walked in it, I was like, oh, my God. And, and you know, it's, the brewer's dream not. is concrete <laughs> floors and high ceilings, right. you know, and as little posts as possible. And, and this building was all brick on the interior. It was beautiful, gorgeous, and it was industrial. Then I found out it was the old depot station in the 1920s that took people from Bellingham to Seattle to Olympia, like awesome. It was the it was the bus stop, you right. know, and it was like this historic element of like, oh my god, and so it all clicked. I kind of saw the whole building and was like, you know, so that came out of need of space, and then I was like, screw it, let's put a bar in this. I mean, this building's huge, you know, and and maybe let's give the town something else, you know. Um, our brew pub is very family friendly, you know. It's a full-on restaurant and and often there's you know we have seven high chairs and there's oftentimes all seven high chairs are right are being used right well that's great someone like me who you know love love the kids right <laughs> i'm trying to enjoy a few beers with my cohorts i i'd rather not be around children so right of course we created a 21 and over tap room that you know had 20 taps and we could also feature beers around the world and an awesome wine list and really create a 21 and over experience that is different from the experience up, up the street. So that came out of a, a desire to increase our reputation in quality and connection to more sophisticated products. So yeah, that was that. And then Seattle a couple of years later was this opportunity I saw and it was this tiny little, you know, shotgun bar and new, new building and worked with my buddy who, needed a spot to open his first brick and mortar restaurant and kind of created this pass through window with, with a mirroring space. And now together we're operating. It's my like best friend from high school. Awesome. Now we're Very cool. I'm operating the tap room and he's doing the food. So, so yeah, it just kind of came as a natural role. I think I'm done opening locations. Right. I think this is as big as I need, uh, Aslan to get in my eyes, but you know, never say never, I guess. Right. The, the depot, it's just like I said, it looks amazing. And uh, like I'll post pictures on, on uh, podcast Instagram yeah. and showing it because it's just it's gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, gorgeous took, spot. Not, yeah, that was, that was my wife, Megan, uh, right. spent about eight, ten months collecting these Chesterfield couches, these yeah. Persian rugs, like all these crazy lamps. And yeah. like, I mean, all this stuff. I had no idea where she was going with this. And then suddenly, when the whole space filled up, with all this cool stuff, it just became this, you know, people think it's, you know, a cigar lounge. Like a cigar lounge, yeah. And there's, right. yeah, then there's wine barrels all around you and, it's and so all cool. this fun glassware and beer. So, yeah, pretty fun. 
So in the last five years, what would you say has been the biggest change in the brewing industry in your eyes? People's ability to get their beer out into the world. Like the shelf space, let's just, you know, Whole Foods, which I know is all around the nation. That shelf at Whole Foods, you know, 10 years ago had, you know, 20 right, craft right. breweries on yeah. it, you know, and it was all other domestic and all this other stuff. I mean, nowadays, every brewery is figuring out a way to get their, not every, but, you know, most breweries are, are figuring out to get their products into distributable packages. Right. And that, to me, has been a massive change because now you go to Whole Foods, at least ours, and there is well over 100 products right. of craft beer alone. You know, and then you get your ciders, and then you get your, you know, hard kombucha, you get your seltzers now that are, you know, filling up the, the cooler more and more. And yeah, for sure. So, yeah, um, I'd also say quality's going up. You know, a lot's changed. A lot of uh, sharing of information has gone around, and um, I think the average craft brewery is pretty good. You know, there's always the exceptions, but I think quality's gone up and a lot of creativity. I think people are now realizing that every beer can't just be a good beer. It needs to have some kind of, you know, story or flair or piece with it that either is good to stare at or makes you feel good about buying it or something. So, you know, you can't just make beer to make beer anymore. (laughs) You gotta, you gotta have a a reason. Have a a little um, selling point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what was your gateway beer into the craft beer world? (laughs) That's a great question, and uh, I do have it. It's uh, New Belgium's La Folie. Okay. I don't know if you've yeah. ever had that. It's their dark sour. Uh, it's like they're they've been making it for decades. But I remember I would play like board games, like Settlers of Catan or something, with with Frank and and we'd all go to Elizabeth Station, which is the local bottle shop, and and we you know each grab one or two beers, and then you know there's those big back in the day it was all bottles. Of, 750 liter, uh, milliliter bottles, right. you know. That's another thing that's changed. It's all the different formats that people are, are putting it into cans are real ruling the world. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we'd show up with a, a few of these, you know, 750 mil bottles, and every time I'd grab a, a La Foley and just be like, all right, we're starting it off with this, you know, dark sour that just tasted like, you know, tart cherries and chocolate and... Oh, it's just such a crazy beer to me that that made me want to try other things. Right, right, know? yeah. Um, so, you know, I remember the first <laughs> the first beer I ever ordered was a Hefeweizen because my dad ordered that all the time. I was 21 and I went to the bar and I said, I'll have a Hefeweizen, the biggest one you give me. I remember they gave me a liter of Hefeweizen. I was like, holy crap, yeah. <laughs> this is a lot of Hefeweizen. This is a lot of beer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so... So yeah, that, that's you know New Belgium, which which still stands up today, is is uh, uh, one of my gateways for sure. You gotcha. Yeah. If someone had come to you and uh, asked you for advice on opening their own place, what would you tell them? I'd say, uh, as, as I said earlier, I, I would say you know, good on you. Think about working for someone else. Right. <laughs> you know, I think about taking another program to another level and. Some people are not fulfilled by that. You know, I always ask my employees, you know, what's filling your cup right now? You know, does that fill your cup? Are, are you, what are you searching for? You know, uh, are you searching for mastery? 
Are you searching for appreciation? Are you searching for a team? Are you searching for money? You know, what, what are you searching for? You know, if you're going to start a brewery, you better not be searching for money. I'll tell you that. Because <laughs> uh, that's going to be really hard to accomplish. Yeah. If you want to, I'll tell you how. And it's not necessarily our way. <laughs> you know, we're we're basically a glorified, you know, nonprofit here. Right. Uh, that, you know, just, you know, again, that triple bottom line really does matter to me where so long as we're breaking even, we're, we're succeeding here. So, um, I'd say, I'd say, I'd say do something different. I would also say, um, consider just being your neighborhood brewery, consider your quality of life only open three days a week. How about that? You know, (laughs) yeah. Start, start small. Think about the 7,000 people closest to your tap room and do everything for them. That's actually probably how you have the least stress and, probably the most money at the end of the day we proved that growing doesn't necessarily mean you know more profits it does mean you can reach more and and kind of use your leverage more to create more call to action and potentially raise more awareness or funds for a nonprofit. i mean there's all those things that you can you attribute a larger brewery to but I'd say keep it small, you know right I think I think uh, there's a lot of value and charm in a neighborhood pub. Right. Look inward before trying, trying to sell you know, outward. Do you right? want to? Do you want to be a total psycho like <laughs> me at times and and managing 110 people? Like it, it's tough, you know. Yeah. Or, or how sure. nice would it be if you had two brewers, one tapper manager, and then you and you know this person kind of ran the the floor three days a week? Sounds pretty sweet to me. Right. Know? Yeah. So yeah. So happen to have a funny story for us. Uh, I I do. I know you asked me to, to prepare one. And, yeah. And this one, I don't know how funny it is, but it's funny to me now, and it definitely was not funny at the time. Uh, most of them, um, are, m- most of them aren't funny in the moment. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is actually an extremely cruel story for us, but anyway, it's funny for me now. When we opened, uh, we were the well, technically the fourth brewery in Bellingham to open. Now there's there's over a dozen. Right. You know, there's a lot of allegiance to these other breweries that had been open for a few years, and people people are really scared about Aslan. That's just, you know, who are these guys that they just write a check to get this thing open? Like, I heard they're, they open from illegal pot money and, like, all this stuff. I mean, <laughs> it was just because people had no idea, like, you know, just because we, you know, it came down to looking really clean and, you know, a beautiful tap room with all this, you know, just looked different, right? It right. was different than what Bellingham knew. So there was this uh, beer review writer at the Bellingham Herald. And now uh, Bellingham Herald never had a beer review writer until we opened. Um, of course. And it was us and Wander Brewing opened within weeks of each other. And so now suddenly, you know, Bellingham was even more of a beer town. Two new breweries, you know, beer is the talk of the town. Uh, let's get a beer writer. Well, they assigned their crime investigative writer as their beer reviewer because maybe he said he likes beer or something right (laughs) so now this guy is writing beer reviews for beers in town as the only reviewer of Bellingham beers you know to be read and seen by the entire town you know by by the Bellingham Herald so like these reviews started coming out and you're just like whoa like this guy's kind of like all over the place, like giving an, an A, a, a C to someone, and a B, like, you know, he's not kind of being the 
diplomatic approach of kind of being like, oh, the lowest I'll give is a B minus because, you know, we want to promote these businesses. So this was three, four months into us opening, uh, and we were going to brew the first, uh, we brewed a beer called Disco Lemonade, uh, which is a Berliner Weiss, which is a, a tart sour beer. We, we woke up one day and someone's like, dude, did you see the review of Disco Lemonade? And I was like, no. <laughs> I, I opened up the article and a bunch of people had shared it with us and been like, damn. And it said F. Wow. And, and he's like, you know, this beer is wretched. This beer, I think, is going to make people sick. Uh, in <laughs> fact, I would rather drink the ketchup on my table than drink the rest of my beer in front of me. Jesus. Now, granted, again, this is the first sour at a Bellingham brewery, you know, I'd made in town. And, right, right, yeah. You know, it's kind of a new, new thing that's getting out there. And so we were just like, you know, half of us were, were kicking the ground and, and, and cursing his name and, and mad. And the other people were like, well, is it bad? You know, like, I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. You know, <laughs> all this stuff. Well, this is the funny part to me is that we ended up sending that beer to the GABF, the Great American Beer Festival, to be judged right. by uh, BJCP judges. Right. And uh, that very beer, the exact same batch, the beer that he gave an F, made it through the metal round at GABF. Wow. Uh, the, the notes of the three tasters <laughs> being like exemplary, you know, yeah. example, uh, you know, perfect example of Berliner Weiss, like very subtle, very fine, like love it, great tartness, all this stuff. And we got that, you know, review, quote unquote, back about a month and a half later. And it was just one of these things that, you know, you just shake your head and you're like, wow, like, yeah, this is the power of, of what people and, you know, ever since then, you know, it, it was like water into the bridge and, and right, know, right. it was, we moved on. But when you get an F from a reviewer and then, you know, that was a crime writer and the whole <laughs> town's like, oh my God, Aslan beer is terrible now. <laughs> the power of media, man. It's crazy. Right? Oh my God. It was just like, it's it's funny now, and I, I tell you, every time I heard that guy's name for the next year and a half, I was just like, oh, you know, people, people would bring it up to me two years later, being like, remember when that guy yeah, should <laughs> make a, that article make about a, drinking ketchup? Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Dude, make a ketchup-flavored beer with uh, with his name as a, his name uh, is uh, a yeah, jerk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should do that. I'm sure I'm sure his review is somewhere out in the World Wide Web somewhere. So yeah. Yeah, right. someone wants to bring that up and and share a 2014 review of a beer that made it to the metal round at GABF. Yeah. Good let's, Lord. Uh, let's give him a big, big hand here. So yeah. round of <laughs> anyway. applause. Thanks a lot uh, for nothing. Yeah. That's my, that's my <laughs> sick, sick, funny story. Yeah. 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 Quite sickening. Uh, mm-hmm. sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's all good, man. I mean, I've had a lot worse since, you right. know, so it's yeah. uh, it's all good. We've seen we've seen it all. Yeah, opinions aren't everything, I guess. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Don't don't. One one advice I'd always give people is, you know, who own businesses, don't review, don't read Yelp reviews before you go to bed. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. You'll be yeah, rolling around stopped, all night. I stopped that after the first year. It was just like, oh man. Yeah. I mean, you know, if 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 four hundred people, I'll give you one star, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah, of but course. Boy, let me tell you the, yeah, 
Don't <laughs> let those guys get you down. Shoot. For sure. Uh, so I have a little segment called Quick Fire Five. Five quick questions, beer related. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. What are your beers that you'd recommend someone try? Our lagers. Um, I, I think they're fantastic. I think lager is the past, the present, and the future. It's the brewer's beer, um, and we have a fantastic program. Uh, you know, not to talk down our, our hazy IPAs, which pay the bills and win right. awards, but uh, uh, I always point people to our lagers. Very proud of them. Lagers are the way to go. Okay. Uh, favorite brewery other than your own? Otherlands Brewery. Um, they are, they just opened this yeah, during the pandemic. They're just down the street, and this is the example of the neighborhood brewery that I'm talking about. And they, they killed it, and they still kill it. You know, they have five, six beers on tap, old, you know, traditional lagers, uh, a beautiful, bright, uh, hazy IPA. He has an awesome dark check lager right now on tap. And then they just do simple, awesome food. It's everything. Otherlands Brewery, uh, uh, Ben and Carolina down, down there are just killing it. Awesome. Favorite style of beer? Uh, lager. Lager. Uh, I would say uh, more specifically in that, I would say Hel- uh, Hel- Hellas. Hellas, okay, um, yeah. Yeah, Hellas, yeah. Um, and and uh, on the right day, it would be a Rauch beer, to be honest. I went to Bomberg, Germany, and, and had uh, uh, got to experience true Rauch beer, smoked beer, which tastes like a campfire in a glass. Yes, I've had, I've had one before. Yeah, very interesting. Them, very interesting. Barrel aged, imperial, or both? Oh man, barrel aged. Barrel aged. I, I drink beer just as fast, no matter what. Yeah, <laughs> me is, too. So <laughs> too much imperial in front of me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be out. Yeah, and then you got to switch to water real quick. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two week quarantine. What beer are you choosing? Uh, Chuckin' Up Pilsner. Uh, local legend, Will Kemper, uh, who's, uh, you know, started the first craft brewery west of the Mississippi that isn't Anchor Steam, um, you know, out here on Bainbridge Island, uh, ended up opening a brewery in, I think, 2008 or something, 2005, in Bellingham. And uh, he is the most award-winning lager brewery, I think, in the the nation he has to be he wins six <laughs> a minimum of four gabf or world beer cups wow. a year. Uh, phenomenal and uh their their pilsner is the finest pilsner around so i would love a keg of that right now gotcha well jack that's all i got for you man oh yeah well thank you so much yeah I, uh, uh let me know if you're ever up in the northwest and pull out the red carpet for you yeah i would uh love to visit do a little uh hiking up there it's a lot of beautiful stuff yeah i'm mike Curtin for the brew world order podcast with jack lamb of aslan brewing company in bellingham washington thank you man thank you hey guys thank you so much for listening to my interview with jack lamb of aslan brewing company in bellingham washington whether you're passing through, you live in the area, or just visiting a friend nearby, you should definitely check him out. Also, give him a follow on social media while you're at it. Every other Sunday, I'll be releasing a new episode, so subscribe, and you'll never miss one. Also, check us out on social media for updates on the podcast. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast. 
you stay safe out there.